Well, praise God. Who's excited that uh, you get to celebrate Jesus today? I am. Very, very excited. Praise God. Um, so, <laughs> just meditating in my own prayer life and just kind of observing everything that, that's going on in the world, I think we can all agree that there is something very, very wrong with, with our world today. Amen? I hear all the time, you know, this world is, is just no good and things are bad and this, that, and the other. And, um, you know, it's a strange thing that like every time I turn on the news, the news anchor begins the broadcast with the words, good evening, right? But then what is, what is televised within that same segment is, is far from a good evening. Yeah, what we see is far, far from a good evening. So we all agree that something's off here. Something is, is, is not quite what it should be. We all agree there. Where we disagree is how to solve it. That's where the disagreement comes into play. How do we, how do we fix this mess? Uh, I've heard recently, now that it's election year, and me, of course, being a barber, working in a barber shop. Yes, the rumors are true. It is the men's gossip shop. They do talk about politics. It is annoying. (laughs) I'll often hear suggestions for this fix that, oh, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton's going to do it for us. Oh, Donald Trump, he's going to fix this mess. Or uh, Robert Bentley's going to fix this mess. But the funny thing is, is the suggestions of political figures fixing the mess that we've created is even disagreed upon. We can't even agree on that. So if, if the issue we have here is we cannot agree that a, that a human authority figure can't fix this mess, then perhaps we need to turn to something greater than human suggestion. Perhaps we need to turn to something greater than human effort. Perhaps we need to turn to something that has existed long before mankind altogether. It's called God's Holy Word. How many of you know that this Bible will outlast us? It'll outlast me, it'll outlast you, it'll outlast your children and your children's children. No act of evil will ever prevail against God's precious, precious Word. And so how do we fix this mess? Well, turning to the Word and through love. Love. We do not fight evil with evil. That doesn't work. That's never worked. It won't work. It's been proven. The only way we can fight this mess is through love. Biblical love. So before we get started, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank You for another day. And God, even though it's apparent that uh, there are many things wrong in our world, there are still many things that are right. That one precious thing that is right is You. Your Word. What Your Word has to say about us. And what Your Word instructs us to do. So Father, as we enter into this time of, of learning from You, I ask You set me to the side. Don't let me speak. Let Jesus speak. Speak to our hearts today, God. Let our minds be open and our hearts open to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you will please turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians 
chapter 13. So we're talking about biblical love and its power to overcome. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, I'll be reading through verses 4 through 7. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, some of you may have King James or ESV, but um, I just found that there is some beautiful language here in the New Living Translation that I really want to uh, expound upon today. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. When you're there, say, Got the Word. Okay, cool. Got the Word. Here we go. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. That's my favorite part right here. Love never gives up. Never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's one of the most powerful. If you were were to ask me for my opinion, that's one of the most powerful verses in this whole Bible. Overcoming the mess through love, sincere biblical love. You know, when we're talking about sincere biblical love, we have to ask ourselves in our own lives, are we loving this way? Or are we loving our way? Are we loving this way or the way that we see on television? Or the way we see on social media? i got to be honest with you guys. As a young person, I'm very uh, influenced by media. I am. Because that's, that's kind of culture now. And I'm going to be quite honest with you all. Media isn't teaching me so much about real, true, sincere love. No, not at all. And when I turn to this Bible and when I look at what I see, it's two very different things. And here's, a, here's what God asked me to do. He said, Jesse, look at your own life. Compare the way you love others to this Word. And so I then have to ask myself, love is patient and kind, and it's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Is my love that way? Is the way I love others jealous or boastful, proud or rude? Am I boasting in my love? Here we go. It doesn't demand its own way. That I, I just want to... Can, can I teach on that just for a second? It doesn't demand its own way. I'm going to be honest. I'm all about some me. Me, I, me, mine. Straight up. I mean, I can, I can stomp on my own toes. I can be truthful in the house of God. Right? Love doesn't demand its own way, right? So it's not like this is going to be my way or the highway, my needs, or forget it. I saw this really cool uh, meme on, uh, sadly, I'm going to contradict myself here. I saw it on Instagram. Imagine that, right? Me on Instagram. Uh, And it said, some people don't love you, they just love their need of you. And I was like, man, that kind of sounds like demanding its own way. My needs over your needs. And so what I'm not doing here, church, is I'm not like whipping, right? I'm not saying, oh, if you're not loved, you're just a terrible person. No, what I am saying is, is there is something far more beautiful in the way you love and in the way you treat others and something far more beautiful than what you're currently experiencing in your relationship with others and in your Christian walk when you compare it to God's holy Word. It doesn't demand its own way. My prayer is, God, please don't let me put my needs before others' needs. 
please don't let me just just want people for what they have to offer. That's a lonely. How many of you have ever just been kind of uh, desired by some person or interact a person interacted with you just because of you had something to offer them? That's it. That's all. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's painful. I'm going to be honest with you. I've done it to others and others have done it to me. And that's an empty feeling. A very empty feeling. Loving others for what they have and others loving me for what I have. Demanding its own way. My prayer is often, God, please don't let me desire You for what You have, what You can do for me. This one prayer, you know, this faith coin I've been popping in for a long time so I can get the prize. You know, wheel of fortune prayers. God, let me desire you for you and you alone. And let me desire others for that same reason. Doesn't demand its own way. Here we go. Keeps no record of being wronged. Wow. <laughs> man, oh man. See, we want to change the country and the world. But I'm going to tell you, church, we got to get it right in the small town first. Yeah, we got to get it right in Madison first. We can't wait for L.A. to do it, Miami to do it. Can't wait for uh, San Diego to do it. We have to start right here in the small town. I want the world to change, but yet here in the small town, we're still concerned about what so-and-so said about us on Facebook six months ago. Keeping a record of being wrong. We want to change the world, but we're still mad about what what he said about us and what she wouldn't do and what they did. You know what I hear a lot of the time? I hear people say, well, I'll I'll forgive them, but but I won't forget. Won't forget. Yeah, it might be scientifically impossible for you to forget some things. I mean, out of of the lack of old age. But here's here's what I really hear. I'll forgive them, right? But I'm going to keep regenerating what happened. Record of being wronged. I'll forgive them, but I'm going to keep recycling what they said. Man, keeping a record of being... How many of you know that when you keep a record of being wrong, it damages you? Yes. And damaged people damage people. I know because I've done it. I can preach on me all day. Let me tell you, I don't have issues. i got subscriptions. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> If y'all thought I was all the way there, you you have thought wrong, ladies and gentlemen. Keeping a record of being wronged. If you want to sense a true feeling of freedom that you have never felt before, I'm not going to ask you to say what they did is right or was right. Even if that person is not sorry, what I am asking you is to put the way you love them and the way you're going to handle that in accordance with this word keeps no record of being wronged. That's freedom. That's freedom. That's true freedom. Keeps no record of being wrong, but rejoices whenever... Let me see. It, it, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Man, I'm going to be honest with you. When somebody I'm really just not too fond of or when somebody who I have a record that, that has wronged me, whenever they finally get their, their injustice and something bad happens to them, what's my flesh want to do? Good. Serves them right. It's about time they got theirs. Awesome. 
You know, they've been doing others dirty and they did me to, and finally something bad happened to them. You know that's not of God. That's not of God. It really ain't. Rejoicing over someone else's misfortune is not of God. My flesh wants to. I can preach on me. My flesh wants to. But this Holy Word says, Jesse, I need you to love how I love. I've forgotten. Now I need you to quit regenerating. I don't need you to rejoice whenever something bad happens to that bad person. Just because something bad happens to a bad person, is that going to change them? Is, I mean, really? Is it? I don't think so. I don't think so. Rejoice is whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. Love endures through every circumstance. We're so quick to give up on people. We're so quick to give up on people. Well, I, mm, just because they, they, they weren't what I thought they would be, I'm out. You know, Forget it. My God, that's so powerful. So that's the what. Next, I want to tackle the why. We saw what biblical love is, and now I want to, to look in Scripture why we should love. Now, I'm going to turn to uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 36. This is a long parable, but it's spoken by Jesus. And how many of you know you can never overread words from the Christ? There's no such thing as like overreading the word. Like, man, I read too much. Sheesh. That Jesus guy. You can never overread the word. I'm going to read the why we should love, and it is found in Luke chapter 7, uh, verses 36 through 50. It's quite a long passage, quite a good bit of reading, but I didn't just want a few verses of this to pour over us today. I wanted the fullness of this parable to pour over us today in its entirety. Because I'm going to be honest with you guys, I have found a lot of power in this parable and a lot of peace in my own spiritual walk through this parable. Luke 7, 36 through 50. It's a lot of reading. Stay with me. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman came from the city, heard Jesus was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And she then knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell at his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kissed his feet, putting perfume on them. Verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And Jesus answered his thoughts. And he said, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And Jesus told him this story. He said, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So the man kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? And Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he forgave of the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and to Simon and said, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, 
You didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she has washed them with her tears, wiping them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. She has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Here we go. This is my favorite portion of this parable. Verse 47. If you're still with me, say amen. Amen. Alright, verse 47. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. Have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is, for, who is forgiven of little shows only little love. And then Jesus turned to the woman and He said, Your sins are forgiven. I'm going to stop right there. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? Why should we love? Apparently we've been forgiven of much. Amen. Yeah. But see, we, some of us in this room, yeah, you might not have been addicted to crack by the age of nine and in prison by the age of 11. You might have been just a good Christian your whole life. And that's awesome. But still, according to James chapter 2, if you've broken one of the law, you've done the same as broken them all. Right. You've been forgiven much. Much. Why should we love? My God. Because we've been forgiven of much. And not only that, but we see Jesus loving her where she is. Yeah. Jesus didn't love a future state of her. He loved her where she was. Right there. In that moment. And I praise God that He reached down one day and loved Jesse where he was. Loved Carrie where she was. Loved Tammy where she was. Brian where he was. Love is reaching to you today. I'm going to be honest, guys. I can brag on my pastor all day. It was about two years ago I met him and I was in a dark, dark place. To give you a real life painted picture, he reached down in the mud. And he believed in me where I was. And he loved me where I was. And I'm going to ask, will you do that for others? Will you love them where they're at? Not for what they could be or, oh, I love you if you change. Will you love them where they are? How Jesus loved this woman. Will you forgive them of much? Last but not least, I want to cover the how. How do we love? That's a good question. I'm going to turn to Matthew 22. Again, I like to use lots of Scripture here because many of you know that uh, the Word of God just cannot be disputed. It cannot be disputed. You can argue with Jesse. You can't argue with Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, can, you can put me down all day, and that's fine, but man, this Holy Word I have found as of late, it has really been my protection lately. I've come under some, some heavy persecution lately. And one thing that persecution could not withstand is the divine Word of God. It has been my protection. How do we love? Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. We all know this verse. Matthew 22, 37 and 39. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Here we go. The second is equally important. Love your neighbors as who? I don't know about y'all, but again, I put myself pretty high up there. You know, I mean my... If I'm to love others the way that I want them to love me, I have to evaluate, now how do, how do I like to be loved? 
I like for people to listen to me. All right, fellas, I'm finna, finna cut a little bit, but I'm going to cut on me afterwards. How many of you, like when your wives are talking, you just kind of zone out? <laughs> wives, ever catch your, your, your husband's doing that? Or they'll be texting, you know? I'm going to cut on myself. I'm not married, but, but of course, the first woman in any man's life is his mother. And sometimes when mom is talking, my thumbs are rolling. <laughs> I'm scrolling through Facebook, and she'll say, Boy, you ain't listening. I like to be listened to. And I'm here to tell you, love listens. Love listens. You want to know what's on someone's heart? Listen. You want to know what they're going through? Listen. They'll tell you because the Word says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Somebody is going through something that you need to know about. But if we don't listen, we'll never find out how to meet their need and how to love them, how this Word says we could love them. Yeah, yeah. Love listens. Mm-mm. Love is also an action word. For God so loved the world, He what? He gave. He gave His only begotten Son. Yeah. Not His last one, not His, you know, one of many, His only. Love gave. Love gives. Love is a giver. Amen. I'm here to tell you that the... the, the, the best thing you could ever give somebody is your time. Your time. We're all busy. I'm, trust me, I, I have to balance school, work, ministry, social life, um, time with you know my family, mom, brothers. We're all busy. The greatest way of showing somebody that, hey, I love you, spend time with them. Yes. I'm here to tell you, if we were to go through our calendars and really evaluate what's important, we've got to ask ourselves, is this event more, than, more important I have to do it all the time. I have to say, is this event more important than mom? Is this event more important than, than my church? Is this event more important than the opportunity to show someone the love of Christ? Love gives. Give someone your time. Time is the one thing you can never get back. You'll spend money, you'll make money, you'll buy clothes, you'll lose clothes, the washing machine will eat them like mine does. Never get time back. Give someone your time. What is love? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Why should we love? Luke 7, 36 through 50. How do we love? Matthew 22, 37 through 39. If we want to change our world and fix this mess, we can change it through love. Church, I challenge you to be the change you want to see around you through love. Be the change. Praise God.